G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Jasper Chalopa, one of our favourites on the overnight crowd. He's from the Inner Sanctum. He joins the program. G'day, Jasper. G'day, Hita. Uh, still recovering my voices from the 49ers on Monday and then also a bit of Oz Open action, but... Uh, we're here and we're happy and uh, it's been a big week. <laughs> it's lovely to have you, mate. Uh, before we get into the uh, sporting content, can I get your thoughts firstly uh, on the Hottest 100 overall and the winner? Yeah, I've done well to pick the winner maybe four years in a row now. There's including a couple um, couple upsets in there, but uh, I liked it. I like you know seeing a like a version up there. I, lo- I love the Wiggles, obviously from my childhood. But um, I-, I thought the remix uh, or their like a version was pretty good as well. I'm not I'm not too sure if it was the strongest year for music in general, but um, I-, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't know about you, Ada. Yeah, of uh, any Tame Impala sort of flair, I'm uh, all involved for. And uh, for two people that haven't met in person, Jasper, you know me pretty well. You know I'm about vibe and omen. I study omenry on a part-time basis and just stick with me here. But Tame Impala's elephant being the winner, Tame Impala led by Kevin Parker. Kevin Parker is the number one ticket holder for the Fremantle Dockers. Fremantle Dockers premiership soon. What do you think? Premiership this year, maybe, if that makes sense. Although, having said that, you know, Tame Impala, they've won a couple... Uh, hold us on hundreds, and I can't remember the Dockers ever winning a flag. Yeah, but I, I didn't figure that out. All right, I've just figured that out now. So that's, the timeline's a little bit off. Oh, maybe it's just it, maybe it's going to happen in the next three years, mate. You've got you've got a nice young list anyway. You don't, I don't think you need the omens. All right, mate. Uh, before we talk day ten from the Open, uh, we've got to make note of Dylan Orcott. He's into his eighth straight Australian Open final as he chases his eighth straight Australian Open title. And just on the side, he's announced as the Australian of the Year for twenty twenty two. Yeah, this has been the great Australian of the year. I thought um, I thought it should have been between him and Paddy Mills, and you know they both represent their um, well. What what Dylan does in particular for for his um, disability, uh, the community, and um, for for the awareness, um, the Ability Fest I've been to a couple times as well. That's a, that's a really fun festival uh, that you get. You know, a lot of diverse characters there. Um, you definitely feel more welcome and accepting than than any other kind of festival I've been to before. But um, what he, what he's able to do on the tennis court as well. Uh, he's an absolute superstar, 16 Grand Slams, seven Australian Open titles. Hopefully he makes it eight um, tomorrow afternoon at Rod Laver Arena. If you can, get down there, make sure that uh, Rod Laver is absolutely packed out because he absolutely deserves it. Um, a, a, a fitting farewell, hopefully. He's going up against uh, uh, probably his rival um, yeah. over the last four or five years is Sam Schroeder, who's uh, met him in the final of basically every Grand Slam for the last couple Years, uh, it's a pretty intense rivalry. It's also full of respect, so you know you can you can definitely expect a lot of love after that match because those guys have gone at it um, a hell of a lot over the last few years. Dylan, earlier this week, uh, as you were saying, uh, he thought that Paddy Mills should be the winner this year. Just nice to see blokes talking nice about other blokes in such a complimentary manner. But to the action on court, Dylan's final is on Thursday. He takes on that number two seed, the Dutchman, uh, Sham Schroeder, who interestingly was part of the doubles team who bundled Dylan and Heath Davidson out earlier in the week. Uh, Do you think revenge is on the cards for Allcott in this one? Yeah, I'm hoping so. But also, you know, Allcott, you know, he did the Golden Slam last year. So, Yeah. yeah, every... Major he went into, plus the Paralympics, you know, he won it. He won it all. So you can probably expect that he's got the form and he's got the wood over Schroeder right now. The doubles is so entertaining. Um, and you're right, Schroeder and his teammate got the job done there. But uh, I expect Alcott to, to get the win for the Aussies tomorrow afternoon. 
Australian Open action rolling into day 10. You got along uh, the other day. Who did you uh, get a chance to see, Jasper? I was actually watching uh, Felix Auger-Aliassime against Marin Cilic over on John Kane Arena. That was a lot of fun. Um, I caught uh, another, uh, a couple other matches, mostly doubles. Um, Lee Tu, unfortunately, uh, him and, and, his, and his partner Sweeney, they went down um, to Ram and Salisbury, who were in the men's doubles semifinals. They'll go up another, against another pair of Aussies soon. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a lot more drinking than watching tennis this time around, but um, I can't say I was complaining. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure, mate. So very jealous. Sounds like a great time. How about today, though? Uh, Iga Swiatek uh, coming good in the second and third set to down the super impressive run of Kaya Kanepi. She now prepares for a semi-final battle against another winner today in Danielle Collins, who downed the fan favourite in Alizé Cornet. Yeah, Cornet's been super impressive this tournament. Unfortunately, just didn't have the legs to, to get over the line against Collins, but just back on Tweetek, who you know had a brutal, brutal game against Kaya Kanepi. There's a 16-year age difference there. Tweetek, the 20-year-old uh, Grand Slam winner from the French Open last year, but you know she ground out the win. But it was also three hours on court, her longest match ever, um, and she doesn't have a day to recover. So those two matches played today, they're a semi-final tomorrow night after the Bardi one. Uh, so I expect you know, Kuyatek to have a really tough time if this goes the distance. Um, and Daniel Collins, she's a really heavy hitter. So uh, look for her to possibly cause a huge upset and make her um, maiden Grand Slam final. On the other side of things, our Ash Barty, uh, she dispatched Jessica Bagula in straight sets, uh, takes on the pride of Florida in Madison Keys, who soaked up the heat and said more please uh, versus Krajicova in straight sets. Two thumping <laughs> semifinals coming up. Yeah, she dictated terms, our Ash, um, and the backhand slice I expect to, you know, pl- play um, really well up here against another American. I think, you know, the chances are she's gone up against her third. The chances are she could go up against four Americans in a row here. Um, but, you know, what she's able to do with the backhand slice, it stays low across the net, it bounces really low, and then forces her opponent to kind of generate their own power from behind the baseline. So, you know, with her clean hitting, her, her beautiful serving right now, her service game has never looked this good before. Um, Madison Keys is a power hitter as well, but I think Barty, with that backhand slice, I'm not too sure that Keys will have the key to deal with that one. Yeah, it makes me want to get back out to a uh, nice pun there. I just uh, picked up on what you did, uh, Jasper, <laughs> but uh, it makes me want to get out against the uh, garage wall with the uh, tennis racket and ball in hand watching uh, Ash Barty slice, that's for sure. Yeah, it's too much fun, isn't it? And she makes it look so, so simple. And a, a bit of the discourse right now has been around how maybe it's too easy for Barty, but you know, that's, you know, that is ridiculous um, because what she, she's putting on a clinic and she makes it look so easy because she is that good right now. Um, and she hasn't done it before, so maybe if she finally, you know, if she does win this one, um, we can start talking about how good she is in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, we're a fair way away from that still. Two matches to go, Hita. We had high hopes of a similar uh, Gail Monfi-Berrettini match for the Yannick Sinner versus Stefano Tsitsipas clash today, but the number four seed unleashed a total domination in just over two hours. Yannick unable to join Matteo in the semifinals. A straight setter for Sitsi, 6-3, 6-4, 6-2. And I, I probably expected Sinner to get the job done here just simply because okay. Tsitsipas went through a, a pretty gruelling five-setter the match before against Taylor Fritz um, and he didn't look his best, but him on court today was the best he's looked since before, you know, he he dealt with that elbow injury and and had surgery on it a few months ago. Um, He looks really, really good covering the court and, you know, his serve volley, he's about as good as it comes right now in that regard. If you're not, you know, a six foot eight 
uh, serve and volley. Uh, he's about as good as it comes. Um, and that's probably where the Roger Federer comparisons come from, that, that one-handed backhand, but also the ability around the net. Um, he's absolutely, he's an absolute superstar. He's six foot four. He plays a little bit smaller than that on court, I'd say. Um, but he completely dictated terms against Yannick Sinner today and, and, you know, walked out of there with a straight sets win, which is going to be huge because uh, going into the next match, he's going to be completely fresh for a semi-final. Spice galore in the match that saw Rafael Nadal emerge as Berrettini's opponent. Uh, Canada's Denis Shapovalov calling the chair umpire and everyone around corrupt for their handling of Rafa's medical break and then toilet break, saying he was denied the same opportunity last Australian Open. Uh, any thoughts on Dennis's claims? Yeah, well, it was really, it's just poor behaviour all around, in my opinion. That's, that's my thoughts. Because, you know, the rules change. Um, Super Pass last year kind of made them change uh, when he took a, an extended toilet break. So now they only have two minutes um, twice every match. So, you know, you, you can't take advantage of that rule too much and dictate um, the, the, the momentum of a, of a match now. But he also, you know, was breaking his racket on, on match point when he lost. Um, he, he called the chair umpire a cheat in the very first set. I think I thought it was really disappointing uh, behaviour from Jakovlov, but uh, at the same time, Rafa handled it like uh, like the true gentleman he is. He's got a great chance in his 21st Grand Slam. He played that fifth set really beautifully. So, you know, hopefully we get to see Rafa um, take out a 21st Grand Slam. I think that would be pretty awesome for the game. I'm happy but sad to see Rafa through because I've been on the maple flavour for the Australian Open of uh, Shapovalov going deep at Melbourne Park. So I'm just getting over the disappointment of that at the moment. Yeah, well, Shapo will come good. He's only 21 years old. And uh, between him and Felix, they've got, you know, incredible, incredible long careers ahead of them. Um, and, you know, if we saw in the ATP Cup that they can work together as a doubles team. So if we saw that in the future as well, that'd be a lot of fun too. Speaking of uh, doubles teams, the headline-grabbing special K team of Kyrgios and Kokonakis, they're into their first Grand Slam semi-final. They take on another seeded opponent, this time the third seeds of uh, Granolas and Zabalos. Can they do it? Can they reach the final? They absolutely can. And I've got a story coming out tomorrow morning, actually, on uh, Nick Kyrgios in particular, but, but this partnership, because you know, we've always thought from you know, probably 2014, 2015, when he burst onto the scene, that Kyrgios could be a Grand Slam winner for... Uh, in the men's tour for Australia, um, first one you know since Leighton Hewitt, but uh, it's, it hasn't come to fruition. He's 26 years old now, but at the same time, I think the doubles is a really great opportunity for him to be a Grand Slam winner. And uh, his serving, his touch around the net, he has some of the best hands in the game. He probably has the best serve on the men's tour. You couple that together with Kokonakis, their chemistry, Kokonakis' serve as well. Um, he's not slouched by any means at all. Continually 200 k's plus down the tee. But they definitely can do this. They're as talented as any duo going around in the, on the doubles tour. Um, just touching on their previous opponents, I thought the, the Kiwi Venus was you know, continually missing his ball tosses and he had some pretty damning words um, after the match talking about Kyrgios saying that he never lived up for his potential and you can see why. Um, I thought, you know, they're, they're pretty damning words and they're also, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit fair as well, but what Kyrgios and Kokonakis has done, I am tipping them tomorrow. I think they'll get the job done and I reckon they can win this final. Interestingly enough, the chance of an all-Aussie men's doubles final is on the table with Matty Ebden and Maxi Purcell taking on the second seeds of Ram and Salisbury. It's a tough ask, but what a final it'd be. Yeah, absolutely. And Ram Salisbury, I, I saw them play and they were very, very good. They're just you know, a really well-oiled unit. They've played together for uh, three, three or so months now. So 
Um, not too long, but every time they step on court, they've been really solid. Um, Ebden and Purcell have been awesome, though. And we know Matty Ebden, he's a veteran of the doubles tour. Um, he does the doubles with Sam Stosa as well in the mix. But yeah, these guys have looked really, really solid. Um, and I expect them to take it right up to the number two seed, who will probably be the favourites for the tournament right now. But if we saw four Aussies on the court in a Grand Slam final, um, that'd, be, that'd be a pretty special moment for the Australian Open. Yeah, I think we'd uh, most certainly be able to tick off the Australian Open as a success uh, if that does happen. Now, before we move on uh, further into some NFL and NBA chat, Jasper, Sean Payton, the legendary New Orleans Saints coach, retiring today. So we've been talking the iconic coaches topic tonight, mate. Have uh, any come to mind for you, uh, specifically from the clubs that you follow or just in in any of the leagues that you uh, love? Oh, well, the first one that comes to mind is Kevin Sheedy. Uh, I'm a Don's fan. And, yeah, his four flags, 84, 85, 93, and then the, and the 2000 as well. Um, that, you know, probably the greatest team of all time, in my opinion, that 2000 was Don's side. Uh, what, what he was able to do, a, a lasting impression on the game. Like all good coaches or players, they have rule changes to their effect. So his was probably the, the biggest one was that 15-meter rule. He abused that. Um, for a few years until they finally decided to change it to the 50-meter penalty. Um, but also his longevity, um, his winning record for the Dons, his dominance, but also where where the Bombers were at the stage where he picked them up and where he left them. Um, he's you know obviously Essendon's greatest coach and, in my opinion, he's the greatest AFL coach of all time. Um, I think a guy, if we're talking about future icons of uh, the coaching landscape, I follow Crystal Palace in the EPL and Patrick Vieira, the, the Arsenal legend, he has all the makings of becoming an iconic coach. He's been fantastic so far through half a season for us and I, I can see him having a very long career. I see him as the next coach of Arsenal. I think he'd be a very dominant coach there. Future icons, that's even uh, better. Thanks for that, Jasper. I can't remember your exact words, mate, but as far as the 49ers' chances last weekend, V the Packers, I believe you were saying less than zero, but in one of those players that will be talked about in dive bars across NorCal for years to come, the Niners move on to take the Rams, or take on the Rams in the conference championships. Uh, yeah, well, this was, you know, as I said, the voice... <laughs> has only just kind of recovered on a Wednesday night. Um, but <laughs> I, I watched this with a, with a couple mates, including a Packers fan, and he actually extended his hand just before the punt uh, with about six minutes left on the clock in the fourth quarter when we'd only put three points up on the board as a the sign of unlucky, mate, but well played. And I decided not to shake it at that time. <laughs> Obviously, within the next 30 seconds, I was extending my hand because <laughs> we'd blocked a punt on the... On the end, oh, on the touchdown line and and run it back in. Um, our safety, our teams hasn't been too good, but it's been better than the Packers this year, and and that's literally what what got us the win. We we you know limited Rogers to ten points, um, but our offense, you know, it might have been the worst winning quarterback performance in postseason history with Jimmy G only able to put up three points for for the offense all game. Um, I thought you know what our defense is able to do and just. You know, the, the fight and determination of these guys. We're a sixth seed, but now we're in the North, uh, the NFC Championship game. And we've, we're coming, coming up against the Rams, who uh, we beat six, six times in a row now. So over the last three seasons, they're 6-0. Hopefully we can make that 7-0 on Monday morning. 
Speaking of those Rams, they got out to a 27-3 lead. Uh, as we know, there's a bit of an omenry around with uh, Brady having a bit of a comeback from that scoreline <laughs> before. But he had a pretty good crack at it. But the Rams team, uh, they move on through to take on your 49ers. On the other side of things, Joe Burrow gets sacked nine times, but his Bengals down the Titans 19-16. to The Chiefs and Bills played an all-timer as the Chiefs moved through in overtime. But I wanted to get your thoughts on the lack of a right of reply in overtime in the NFL. Almost comes down to a coin toss on who wins, it seems, uh, if you're sceptical about these sorts of things. Oh yeah, change change the bloody overtime rules. It's, it's why why does only one quarterback get the opportunity to win the game? The fact that Josh Allen, after his two touchdowns in the final two minutes, to actually bring it to OT in the first place, that go ahead touchdown with thirteen seconds left as well. The fact that he didn't get a right of reply in overtime, or to you know get the ball in his hands to actually make a play to win the match again, um, was absolutely ridiculous. I think. Uh, if you give them three timeouts each, then you only need five minutes on the clock and both sides will get the ball back and um, we'll see, you know, what they can do from there. Because, you know, with with the timeouts, we saw Mahomes advance down the field with 13 seconds left and two timeouts. Uh, that's that's the overtime rules we need. Five minutes, you know, one team receives the ball, um, the other team will get it back because they can use their timeouts so they can get third downs and get fourth downs um, and, and make the opposition punt or get right reply through touchdowns or field goals. Um, I think that's the way forward, but right now it just does not work at all. All right, quick tip, mate, uh, for the two matches coming up. Uh, Bengals versus Chiefs first. Yeah, well, I think we probably saw our Super Bowl um, last week with the Bills and the <laughs> Chiefs. I think those are the two best sides, so I'll have to take the Chiefs here. Having said that, this Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase connection is so legit and it's going to be the new Rodgers to Devontae Adams um, from next year onwards, uh, I'm sure of it. So, you know, watch out for the Bengals. They could cause an upset here, but I'm not tipping it. Uh, your boys, the 49ers, taking on the Rams. Uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, well, the first half um, of that Rams game against the Bucks was, you know, super impressive. We saw guys like Khalil Mack, players, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, these big guys they brought in to, to get the job done. Matthew Stafford had a huge impact. Odell Beckham as well. Um, so they've got the names. They've got the star power. But these Niners won't die, and I think we're going to see ourselves in a Super Bowl. I have a feeling that we're going to get the job done against the Rams. To the NBA, mate. And the news out this week uh, with Ben Simmons, he's become wrapped in the 76ers' pursuit of the Nets' uh, James Harden. It's believed uh, it, can hap- it can't happen until next season anyway, and the 76ers are happy to sit on the asset until then. So does that mean no Ben uh, in the next few months? Yeah, I'm, I, I, he's, yeah. So the, so the 76ers' organisation has called his bluff, and he hasn't relented. So I think this is just a good old-fashioned standoff, and we're not going to see him at all. We're currently watching Joel Embiid take over games with the floor spacing they have right now. So I don't think they're actually too unhappy with where they're sitting without their all-star on the court. Um, with James Harden looking at testing his value in free agency, those are the reports at the very least. I can see a world in which he's re-signed to the Nets and then traded on to Philadelphia if he's not too happy alongside KD and Kyrie. Mm. Um, not too sure why he'd want to leave that situation considering he's never won a ring before and that's obviously his best place to do it. But... You know, a, a duo of Harden and Joel Embiid would be a hell of a lot of fun to watch as well. So uh, I don't think that would be a bad move for Simmons if he could get it. Um, he'd be the defense to Kyrie and Katie's offense. And uh, that could almost be a, a best of both worlds scenario for them both.
Just looking into Harden and uh, wanting to move out of Brooklyn, I don't know if you remember those uh, graphs and stats that came out a couple of years ago with uh, his efforts in towns that have the better, um, let's say, uh, (laughs) exotic dancing clubs. So perhaps Brooklyn doesn't meet his standard of it and uh, he's looking for Philadelphia or something like that. Just just looking for, you know, other reasons of why he'd want to leave. Yeah, well, there's a bridge called the Brooklyn Bridge, and just across it is New York City. I would have thought that there's some, there's some decent exotic dancing clubs there, not that I've ever tried <laughs> any, but uh, I would have thought that he'd been a different, decent city to, to have that um, available at his doorstep, Peter. Not should, too sure should, if Philadelphia is much better. <laughs> should that be the concern? Should that be the concern, we're saying, uh, Jasper? No, and, uh, just that to, the issue? Uh, yeah, that yeah, could well, be it. Maybe, maybe. Just to finish up with, mate, uh, what's going on at the Clippers? Uh, no PG-13, no Kawhi Leonard. They trail by 35 today and then end up defeating the Wizards by a point. They've become the first team in 25 seasons to erase a deficit of 24 points or more and win three times in a season. They've done it against the Nuggets, the 76ers, and now the Wizards. Crazy. And, yeah, I'll be honest, I've had to look up a few of their starters this year. I'm not too sure who's been playing for them. Amir Coffey had no idea who it was before the start of this year. Brandon Boston's been a fantastic revelation for them as a rookie. Trey Mann has been awesome after his, you know, we saw him in the playoffs when Kawhi went down. He had a pretty special series as well. But this has just been the the Luke Kennard show. <laughs> what he was able to do, he pulled up from about 25 feet and sunk one, you know, to bring it to within three points with about five seconds left. And then he did it again for the four-point play to take the lead with a second left. Um, that was awesome to watch live. Uh, I fortunately had that one up this morning. And then uh, just to come back from, you know, 36 points or whatever it was, and then 28 points or whatever that stat was, Peter, uh, in the last quarter, um, a truly spectacular uh, performance. And, you know, they, they won't come up against the best side, but uh, <laughs> no NBA no NBA team should be giving up a lead of 35 points. That's truly remarkable. And considering they're doing it without PG and Kawhi Leonard, who, you know, should both be back in time for the playoffs, hopefully Kawhi can get back from his ACL in time for the playoffs, because right now, you know, they're sticking around, they're in the ninth seed, so, you know, playing potential, and if they make it in, then they're actually going to cause some real noise. Jasper, enjoy the rest of the tennis, mate. Really appreciate the time tonight. Uh, we'll keep up your work at the Inner Sanctum. Too easy, mate. Take it easy here to have a good course on that. That's Jasper Chalopa, one of our favourites on the overnight crowd. He's from the Inner Sanctum and doing some fantastic work joining us here on the program. Uh, any thoughts from uh, what Jasper had a chat about? 0433 98 11 16. We'd love to hear from you, but it is Paul Heath behind the wheel on the overnight crowd on SEN. We'll be right back just after this. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.